Chapter 7 Visionary Poison When something is important enough, you do it even if the odds are not in your favor. Elon Musk At this point, you have the complete work energy formula. Understand your work energy and your barricades, dream a goal, identify only the most vital actions that will drive 90% of the result and that match your work energy, then groundhog the goal until success. Those steps will empower you to crush goals that the vast majority of people will never achieve. Yet success isn't quite that simple. The entirety of part two of this book focuses on overcoming the common problems that pop up as you follow the work energy formula. Anyone can tell you to get on a good diet and keep dieting until you're skinny, but that wouldn't solve your problem, would it? The truth is most goals are incredibly simple. The work energy formula will get you to where you need to be, but the trouble is that the work energy formula is being implemented by a lazy lump of lard. By that, I mean a human being who, by nature, does not want to break into unknown territory. You may think that you simply need to be more disciplined to achieve your goals. That's not the answer either. Your mind has a few tricks it loves to play on a disciplined mind to slow it down just the same, and the rest of this book will help you to learn the tactics to overcome that issue. When you have a path before you to achieve a goal, it's easy to put your head down and miss signs of trouble ahead. That's what happened to me. My business began to grow. By the end of the next year, we brought in $234,000. The year after that, we earned $360,000. I wanted to scale the business up further, because that's what successful CEOs do, right? The income of $30,000 per month was steady and it provided so much money for my family that we didn't always know what to spend it on, other than to simply continue saving. Somehow, the lawyer job still seemed to be the safer route, and I felt fear each day about the business dying out. Perhaps it would have helped me to realize that over 20% of those with a job have experienced a layoff in the previous five years, according to the John J. Heldrick Center for Workforce Development at Rutgers University. Having a job may not actually be a more secure source of income than starting a business. With a large income and no debt, we could have purchased a massive home if we had accepted a mortgage. The temptation was definitely there, but Emily and I have always felt that the security for our family was worth more than any amount of financial leverage. We had satisfied our family's needs through the simple daily action of publishing new content. Now, I was ready to take on the 10% of optimization in the business to hit the next level. At the beginning of the next year, I sat down with a pen and paper to lay out a growth strategy. I carefully crafted a plan to expand. My business plan had four goals for the year. Number one, expand into areas of the photography market other than just teaching photography. Number two, create three additional online courses. Number three, create a full-fledged video studio to make video production of courses and other videos faster. Number four, hire an additional employee to handle accounting and customer service so I could focus on new growth. Little did I know that those were literally the four worst possible courses of action I could have taken at the time. Those four line items that seemed like such a solid plan sent us into an unexpected tailspin that nearly brought the company down. I had no idea my plan was a cliff, and I was driving my small business straight for it as fast as I could. Business books and podcasts were poisoning me. 
While I'd benefited greatly for years from learning from them, I began to chase their ideas rather than to be merely inspired by them as I acted on my own. It's what I've come to refer to as visionary poison. I would read a book about Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. They had such vision. When all the rest of the auto industry was stuck in an old mindset, he re-envisioned what the automobile could be. Or, his foresight was incredible. He took complicated devices and made them simple and premium. Then I'd walk into work and what would I do? Dustin, we're going to design and manufacture our own camera. Look, this is a multi-billion dollar market. The interface on the rear LCD screens of cameras still looks like MS-DOS, and I think we could do something revolutionary here. We are earning $30,000 per month and have some cash that we could use to create a minimum viable product and launch something on Kickstarter. We're making a camera. A week later, I'd walk in and say, Dustin, I have a great idea. Creating those videos is taking a long time. What if we invest $20,000 into creating a full-fledged TV studio right here in the office to up our game? It was visionary. Frankly, it was entirely possible. But it so diverted us from what had proven successful in the business up to that point that it began to erode our core business. Is it possible for a little upstart to upend the camera business? Of course it's possible. So far, I'd flip the statistics on their head. One out of every five small businesses lasts 20 years. I'd already survived three years, so if I simply kept reinforcing our successes and slowly growing, I could have a fantastic and dependable business. Yet, I was chasing after the type of one in a million success that only a few visionaries succeed in. I'd traded one in five for one in a million. That's where most business books seem to place their focus, the one-in-a-million shot that actually paid off. The iPhones, Teslas, and search engines that we literally only see once or twice a decade. It's as if we focused all the attention in our public schools on raising every kid to be the President of the United States. Of course it's awesome to be President, but it's such a long shot that it would lead our kids into missing excellent opportunities to be small business owners, computer engineers, florists, accountants, doctors, and business people. It's visionary poison. I really admire Elon Musk. He's an absolutely incredible visionary CEO and an asset to the world. Yet, if I were to try and act like Elon Musk, my company would be bankrupt in five years. He has the visionary poison, and it has pushed him to take unfathomable risks with his companies over the years. But he has that one-in-a-million ability to pull it off. I think Elon Musk actually is a once-in-a-generation leader who can achieve any vision. The truth is that small business owners don't need one-in-a-million success to be successful. I was earning $30,000 per month as a recent law grad. I have a wonderful wife, and at the time I had two children. I owned my own home outright and was excited about getting to work every day. I didn't need to be visionary. Frankly, I wouldn't even want that kind of life. Yet the allure of visionary poison tainted my business objectives. The fact is that most entrepreneurs will never reach the visionary success of famous once-a-decade companies, and the overattention we give those successes keeps the majority of people from starting a business that could change their lives. I've got to go off script for a minute because I really believe this. I can't 
hardly find business books that use primarily examples from small businesses. You know, the guy who's been in business for 40 years, who started something dependable and has hired people and provided employment for a lot of people and a good income for his family for years. All we ever hear in the news and the media in business books and podcasts is who built the biggest company and let's hear what they did. But we ignore the fact that doing so takes incredible risks that probably most of us will never want to do. And so I would love to hear from more business books and more resources that celebrate people who create awesome, solid businesses with a blue collar attitude. My goals were about expansion when they should have been about reinforcement. Visionaries expand constantly and rarely take time to reinforce. Small business owners who stand the test of time spend most of their efforts on reinforcement. You have identified the actions needed to achieve 90% of the success toward your goal. When you reach the top of that hill and you're ready to optimize the last 10%, Ensure first that your optimizations won't distract you from continuing the 90% actions. When I was a kid growing up in Hawaii, I built a lot of sandcastles. The trick to building sandcastles is getting the sand wet. If you form up the right consistency of sand and water in a bucket and place it on the castle, it will stick. And the sand sticks so you can continue building up and around. Just as you turn your attention to the next part of the castle, you look back to see your world crumbling. Why? Because the spot was not reinforced. Without a sufficiently thick wall, the water drains out and the castle crumbles. Each spot needs to be reinforced before another area can be worked on. My highly successful small business was a sandcastle, and I couldn't see it at the time. Revenue had grown nearly every month since the day I started tapping out words on my netbook two years earlier. Let's review again my four goals for the year. Expand into areas of the photography market other than just teaching photography. Create three additional online courses. To make video production of courses faster. Hire an additional employee to handle accounting and customer service so I could focus on new growth. Expanding into new areas of photography was the last thing I should have been doing. I didn't realize how perilous my position in the market was for my core business that would soon be at risk. That goal was tainted with visionary poison. The next goal was to expand our online course offerings. We had only one course and I wanted to expand to five online courses. This project would nearly take 100% of our time for five months when we should have been focused on diversifying our marketing so we weren't too reliant on Facebook. Our one online course for beginning photographers was selling for $99. It was bringing in 70% of the company's revenue. The most logical decision was to create a second online course. We did, and revenue jumped up an additional $12,000 the next month to crest the $40,000 mark. Success. So what did we do the next month? Create another online course. Another jump. Quickly, we had an expansive line of online courses. Yet, the jumps faded. After a few months, revenues landed back at $30,000. One good product plus one more good product does not equal two revenues. We still sold to the same number of customers, but now they had more options for a course that closely fit their skill level. 
On top of that, we started getting an onslaught of customer service inquiries, asking what course they should choose as they weren't sure if they were a beginner or intermediate photographer. Customer confusion likely turned many potential customers away. The excitement we'd generated for the online courses also started to dim. When the month started and we'd announce a new session of the course, we now had to change the marketing. Now, five courses were opening up. With five times the available open spots and courses, they stopped selling out. The urgency of, this course always sells out within minutes, was removed from our marketing messages. It took time for me to see what was happening and why our efforts had not resulted in additional revenue. Income was still steady, but I had unknowingly thrown a grenade on our marketing campaign. Yet we had come so far and created so many great new courses that I couldn't back down. The thought didn't even cross my mind to go back to one simple successful offer and just work on reinforcing it with marketing. Traffic to the website was holding steady at over 300,000 page views per month with great consistency because the articles I'd written in the previous year were still ranking on Google and sending traffic from Pinterest. I stopped writing new content for the website so I could focus on our product offerings, which just weren't quite selling as I'd hoped. Remember the sandcastle? I was allowing our most important asset, traffic to the website, to dry and crumble as I worked on another area of the sandcastle. The problem was visionary poison, constantly trying to expand the business instead of spending most of my efforts reinforcing what has proven to work. In an effort to expand, I stopped writing the daily blog posts which were driving 90% of the results for my business so I could focus on the 10% of optimizations. If I had focused on writing more and more content on the website, I could have more and more articles leading people to improvephotography.com and the offering we had. I had already proven tremendous success came from writing more content on the website, so why did the visionary poison in me want me to try new and unproven methods to expand the company? I was about to pay a price for that lesson. The dip began. The numbers that had fueled my work energy were now working against it. We dropped to $28,000 a month, $25,000 a month, then $18,000 a month. The blood ran cold in my veins and I couldn't think about anything else the day I saw the profit and loss statement with $18,000 at the top. Where had my business gone? My dream was to free my family from the constraints of money, but my old fear was back to haunt me. What I can clearly see now but didn't understand at the time was the courses were being sold to new people we brought in each month. To someone who had followed the website for a year, they already had dozens of opportunities to sign up for a course and thus our marketing efforts to reach them were unlikely to succeed. I either needed to put a completely different offering in front of them, something other than yet another online course, or I needed to bring in far more new customers to see our offerings. At the same time, I was competing with YouTube, which was becoming more popular with dozens of free videos teaching the very basics of photography that I was teaching in my course. At the time, however, I had no idea what was wrong. All I knew was sales were down, even though we had done so much expansion work. The dip continued. We pushed our social media posts harder and harder to encourage people to take an online photography class with us. 
but this became overaggressive and annoying to potential customers, making the decision not to purchase a course firmer in their minds. One month, the revenue hit $16,000, and I was nearly ready to curl up in the fetal position in the corner of the office. I had hired an office manager only five months previous, and now I could see that if nothing changed soon, I wouldn't be able to justify having employees or paying for the orange carpet. I saw this all the time with new photographers who dreamed of eventually turning pro. When they first started learning, they take their camera everywhere. They take pictures at the kids' soccer game, they wake up early on vacation to learn landscape photography, and they eat up learning the fundamentals of exposure. Then they decide to optimize. They decide they need a better camera. They get wrapped up in following the rumors sites to see when the newest model will be released and learn to read MTF charts for finding the sharpest lenses possible. Suddenly, they look up and realize they haven't picked up a camera in months, and their skills have grown stagnant. Their goal of turning pro is no closer than before they began to optimize. It was the good idea to get a new camera that ruined the progress. You had it in the bag. You were learning the fundamentals and most importantly, simply taking pictures each day. It was working. If you would have simply stuck to groundhogging your goal, you would be there. Then once your pictures were at a professional level, you could add some optimizations to help you turn pro without stopping the simple but important act of taking pictures daily. The same thing is true with every goal. When you design your day and begin groundhogging, you must stop having good ideas. Do not optimize. Adjust the plan to match your schedule. Change the day to get even faster results, etc. You analyzed what worked for you, identified the effort that would result in the fastest progress, and you've been doing it. Stop. Do not add visionary poison into your goal. In my business, I got 90% of the result by simply writing one new blog post each day to bring new people in the door. Yet, I was wasting time creating memes on Facebook to drive engagement, creating multiple courses instead of one great one, being a visionary CEO, building a camera, etc. This visionary poison accumulated so quickly that I looked up one day and realized it had been many months since I'd published a new post on my blog. How could it have happened? Know that good ideas will come to you once you design your day and begin seeing success. Do not listen to Siren's song. If you change anything as you groundhog your designed day, the plot of the movie will be ruined. Action step seven, identify the visionary poison in your path. This step seems so easy. You don't even need to do anything. You simply have to not do something. Just don't have any good ideas, that's it. Yet you'll almost certainly find that this step is more difficult than any other. You looked at yourself and determined your work energy. You took an initial step to get the fire burning in your bones and began groundhogging the action that is most important to get you to your goal. You are on the right path right now. You get the point. The best way to ruin your best success is to come up with a better idea. This is probably the first and last time you'll be told to stop having good ideas, but seriously, stop having good ideas. When you set up a Groundhog Day, you cannot change that day until you succeed. Here are a few tips that will help you stop having good ideas. Number one, watch old episodes of Star Trek or baseball. Number two, eat a dozen donuts and drown them in a liter of chocolate milk. Number three, 
Spent an evening reading the setup instructions for a piece of furniture from Ikea. Don't cheat on your Groundhog Day. Put yourself in a loop that doesn't end until success. The movie would have stunk if Bill Murray could take a break from Groundhog Day at any point because he felt like having St. Patrick's Day instead. You are locked in. The only way to let yourself out of Groundhog Day is reaching the goal. Don't let visionary poison corrupt your path. Off script for a minute, looking back at this chapter, I can't believe some of the decisions I made in my business. And I think the way that I presented it in this chapter, you're listening to this and saying, man, this guy is just dumb as a brick. But we all do this. When you have one online course, you're like, well, I'm going to make two online courses and you expect it to go better. We do this with all of our goals. We start seeing a little success and so we change it up and try to optimize it and add more and get more excited about it. It's really hard when you start to succeed to not try and optimize, but to instead just still focus on the fundamentals. So while the way I presented it in this chapter may make it obvious in this goal, as you're working toward your own, you're going to notice yourself doing the same thing. You're going to notice as you work on your goal, you'll be going along and all of a sudden you'll think, ooh, what if I did this instead? And quickly you'll find yourself off track.